You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 31, airing on June 21st, 2012. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahovia. And my name is Sandy Morgan. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. And Sandy, today we're going to talk about your recent trip abroad and how the center is working to end human trafficking and how we're continually working to study the issues, be a voice, and to make a difference in the global conversation on any human trafficking. So I'm so glad that you are just back from your trip and can share some of these tools and resources and experiences that you've had. Thank you. I just got back from Zambia. And I'll have to tell you, honestly, when they called and asked me to come and do training on counter human trafficking, I had to look on the Africa continent map to make sure I actually knew where Zambia was. I would have too. In fact, I meant to do that before we started the show here. I know it's in Southern Africa and I think it's on the, is it on the Eastern coast? No, it's, it's really pretty central. Oh, there. okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, it goes to show you my geography and it's embarrassing too, Sandy, because I took, actually took a class on African history in college. And one of the things we had to do was an entire map of the continent of Africa and um, I speak for myself here, but I think I can lump a lot of us as Americans into this uh, into this bucket. We are very poor with African geography, most of us, and I am I certainly understand included. that. Yeah. Well, it's it's there in the in the southern um, third of the uh, continent of Africa, and on the northwest side, the border is with the Democratic Republic of the Congo, which is very problematic mm-hmm. and. Um, is one of the aspects of trafficking there. And in the Northeast, they're bounded by Tanzania, um, East Malawi, and um, then Southeast Mozambique, and then Southern Zimbabwe, and then Namibia, and on the West West Angola. And one of the things that people often remember about Zambia is that is where the city of Livingston is located on the very southern border and the famous Victoria Falls. Oh, interesting. I did not know Yes, that. but I was not there as a tourist, and so I didn't go see the falls. Yeah, and, and actually we were talking about Zambia before we started recording today, and one of the things that you mentioned to me is that Zambia, from a standpoint of human trafficking, is um, an origin country, a transit country, and a destination country. And this is language that uh, a lot of folks who do work to end human trafficking utilize. And I was wondering if you could explain what you mean by those three things. Well, when we say origin country, we mean that it's a source um, of victims. And that would mean that there's a reason, and, and there's a reason why they're more vulnerable. And a lot of the trafficking that I learned about uh, from the local people, these were firsthand reports, was trafficking from rural to urban. And so the poverty and the lack of knowledge in the rural areas made these families much more vulnerable to trafficking 
um, tricks. That's what my friends call it, the tricks of the traffickers. And they wanted to know what is the profile of a trafficker. Hmm. And what we began to understand is you couldn't say, well, um, a trafficker is a big guy with um, uh, bodyguards around him. No, sometimes a trafficker was um, a grandma or an aunt or an uncle or a young cousin. Mm. So there wasn't a profile. So origin is that it's a source country. Um, transit, and I just told you all the countries around mm-hmm. yeah. this country of Zambia, and Zambia is um, has what they call porous borders, which would just indicate that there are places on the border where it's pretty easily um, accessible to just walk across. And mm. so... From these other countries that are also origin countries going south to a destination, most likely South Africa, mm-hmm. either to fly out to another continent. I have case studies um, of victims who have gone to Ireland from South Africa, but they were originally from Zambia. And oh, interesting. Um, I'll tell you a story a little later on about a Zambian boy who was trafficked here to the U.S. Mm. So. Origin is a source country. Transit com- country just means it, it's it's like a highway uh, to take people through. Mm-hmm. And then destination. And the destination um, is usually trafficking that is going to work in the urban areas, a lot of domestic servitude, a lot of commercial sexual exploitation. And then, of course, because the Copper Belt is on the northwest um uh, area of Zambia, mm. um, trafficking into the mines. And that can involve internal trafficking, but it can also involve trafficking from outside. And there are um, cases already on record of young men and even women and children that have been trafficked from as far away as Bangladesh and China wow. to work in those mines. Hmm. So, uh, you mentioned one of the things um, both here and when we were talking earlier of the vulnerability that is there in Zambia. What, why so vulnerable? What is it about the culture, the situation that is so vulnerable there? Well, I think partly it is about poverty, but it's also about uh, lack of knowledge. People don't understand the risks. And so if you go to a family where um, in, in a rural area where there are no resources, um, the, the idea of an education is very well communicated to people. Mm. So if you're in a rural area where there's no school for your children and an aunt type person comes and says, you know, um, let me take your kids to the city and they can go to school and I'll take care of them. They can just do some chores in exchange for living here. Mm. And parents are like, oh, yes, I want my kids to have an education. And right. off they go. And then we find them in some sort of horrific slave-like conditions or they're actually sold to a brothel or to um, some other work industry in hotels and restaurants, working seven days a week and not getting an education. Yeah, wow, just an incredible, uh, an incredible number of factors that come together here, Sandy, that really do cause a difficult situation there. And I, I want to ask you in a moment here what you were doing there, because of course yeah. our 
our job as the Global Center for Women and Justice is to study the issues, be a voice, but ultimately to be able to make a difference. And I know that that's part of what you were doing. But before I ask you that, I want to remind our listening audience that if you have questions or comments for us about anything that we're speaking about here on this episode, uh, either about Zambia specifically for Sandy or uh, on any of the topics we talk about that would be applicable for trafficking anywhere on the globe, we're here to help answer and respond to those questions so we can help you to study the issues more effectively. So there's two ways to reach out to us. One way would be to uh, leave us a message at the Global Center for Women and Justice here at Vanguard University. And our phone number is 714-966-6361. So that is the best number to reach us at. Uh, probably even easier, though, is just to send us an email, and our email address is gcwj at vanguard.edu, and the GCWJ is Global Center for Women and Justice, and of course, Sandy is the director of that center here on campus. So, Sandy, you know, we've talked about the challenges now that Zambia is experiencing in relation to trafficking. What brought you there? Well, I, um, I've worked here in Orange County with the Sisters of St. Joseph and have been um, an educator going out to their predominantly their, their healthcare professionals. And then I've also done some um, education with all of the communities in Southern California associated with the, the Catholic Justice and Peace Initiative. And so when I was speaking at their symposium in March, met one of their international partners who then um, the next month sent an invitation asking me to come and do training to help them. And um, Dave, we have so much available to us here. We have so many resources. We have um, DVDs we can show in our communities. We have lots of educational materials we can order online from rescueandrestore.org from our our own government. Mm -hmm. We have our our GTIP report that comes out. And I, I really felt compelled to accept their invitation and go because they said to me, and these were the magic words, they said, we're just starting to figure out what to do and we're going to bring everyone from every district to this class on counter-trafficking. So they were bringing from from the copper mine areas, um, from the urban areas, from the rural areas, all of their different um, um, practitioners in those areas. And I would have a chance to give them everything we have that might help them establish a solid foundation for building a counter-trafficking response. And wow. that was exciting because yeah. you love to be part of the beginning of something. Oh, for sure. For sure. So what did, what does this class entail? How long was it? What do you do during a class of when you have just, you know, a few days in, in another country and you're in, you, I don't think you've been to Zambia before, right? So you, no. you're learning a new culture and how do, how do you, how do, I you had do to, that? I had to get a, Zam, um, a typhoid shot to go to Zambia, oh, Dave. Yeah yeah. 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 So it was, it was quite an experience just getting ready to go to this country. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the five days was planned around working from eight thirty in the morning until five or five or five thirty every day. And we, 
talked to this group that included some government representatives from the Home Affairs Office. It included people from Salvation Army, people from IOM. So there were some people who had some experience. Mm. But the um, the different religious women's groups from all these areas that were working every day on local issues were particularly interested in finding out how do I identify someone who is going to take advantage of the people in my um, congregation, in my uh, area, in my community? What does a trafficker look like? How do they ask me for a profile? And then they wanted to know, and I loved this question, can you give us um, ideas about what tricks they're going to use? And I like mm-hmm. that word trick because they began to really understand that we have to be really careful we have to be wise we can't just accept everything people say and we have to understand and of course this was terminology for what you and i know as fraud which is one of the main elements of um means in identifying human trafficking Hmm. and you uh i know were sharing with me that there's just a number of just for different examples of how trafficking manifests itself in zambia what are some of the examples or stories that you heard that might help our listening audience just understand how um, these things emerge in different parts of the world? Well, what we saw there is that the socioeconomic situation definitely contributed to this because mm. people are looking for a way out of um, of poverty. And it, there's a lot of unemployment. So if you say there's a job someplace else, it's pretty typical stuff, like what we always hear about. Lack of education. And then they added a few other things in that we don't see here. Um, early marriage. If a family um, is really challenged in taking care of, of all of their children and they have a daughter who's, who's hitting adolescence, they will... Um, um, allow an early marriage, 12 or 13 years old, because this would um, take one more mouth away from the table. Um, orphans are a big problem, especially resulting from the loss of life with HIV AIDS. And the belief in witchcraft and the use of, of human organs in rituals and the idea that sex with a virgin will cure you of AIDS. Some of those kinds of issues became Mm. very, very significant. Um, We also discovered that what's happening in the other countries around them impacts the kind of transit trafficking. And you know that there's a a serious war conflict in the Um, Democratic Republic of Congo. Mm -hmm. And so all of the stories that I heard about children being trafficked from Congo were large cases. 14 children was identified by ECPAT and 17 children with a woman um, who was taking them to South Africa to um, a buyer, literally a buyer. Mm -hmm. And when they they rescued those 17 children and arrested this woman, there, the trafficking law had not been passed yet. And so she was um, fined uh, the equivalent of $400 and released. Wow. Now that won't happen. In 2008, they did pass one of the strongest anti-trafficking laws in Africa, and um, it would result in a 20-year life, uh, a 
20 year sentence, sorry. Mm. Little, still a little jet lagged. Sure. But um, that wasn't in place at that time. And wh- one of the things that was particularly endearing was for me when I was showing some of our DVDs to them is I played the HHS DVD, Look Beneath the Surface. And one of the stories and survivor advocate stories is a young man by the name of Given. And guess where Given is from? Zambia. That's right. Uh That's right. And he wasn't trafficked to the United States by some evil looking dark backstreet goons. He was trafficked by someone who sounded very legitimate and was part of a church organization. Mm. And so this was shocking. This was very shocking because we do have this sense that if somebody says they're from church, we should be able to trust them, right? Right. Well, if you want to hear Given's story, you should definitely... Um, log on to the rescueandrestore.org website and order that DVD. It's free, and Mm. they'll send it to you. But let me tell you a little bit about Given's story. When he was recruited, the, um, the man who recruited him recruited him to be part of a Zambian boys' choir. And the idea was that these boys would sing and would be able to get an education. So they were called the Zambian Acapello Boys Choir. They were trafficked to the United States in 1998. And when the the boys left the shantytown of Kalingalinga with American Keith Grimes, they thought they were going to not just get an education and take care of themselves, they thought they were going to raise money that would be sent back to their village to build a school for the other kids. Wow. So they were full of dreams and promises that were fraudulent. The reality was that they weren't paid very well. Well, they weren't paid at all. They weren't fed very well. They worked an exhausting schedule and they slept in, there were 12 boys And they slept in a little trailer that the organizer pulled. And every time they sang, the sponsor collected all of the money and kept it for himself. Mm -hmm. Now, they were finally um, rescued through the work of a church in Texas. um, And they began to understand at this church in Coryville, Texas, that something wasn't right here. And the boys had actually gotten a little older now, and it, it, they tell us that they became um, resistant, and so Grimes could no longer really control them. So he told them he was going to call the police on them, and they'd be arrested and deported. Mm. Well, that isn't what happened. They brought The police brought in um, immigration because these were foreign nationals, and they were mostly minors. And that's when Grimes was charged with... Um, Um, abducting them. Now, Given is now a very active advocate for child trafficking victims. He was adopted by one of the members of the Baptist church that um, helped in their rescue. And he will tell his story um, to anybody who will listen. But one of the things that he said that instead of getting a good education, he says, I felt 
humiliated, like a puppet on a string being moved around. And the lack of um, of being treated with dignity. Mm-hmm. Really, in the discussion around our small groups, um, that came across really strongly. And the idea that, Dave, this is a human rights issue. Mm-hmm. And from a faith perspective, these are children just like our children, they're created in the image of God, and for someone to treat them like a commodity and to use them to um, make money from them is humiliating. Yeah. And so we all have to speak up. I've heard, um, I've heard a couple people say to me, well, they were better off um, in, a, in a choir, even though they weren't treated well, they were better off than if they'd been left in their village. No, that's not true. And you can hear that in the passion in Given's voice with the idea of the humiliation that yeah. he suffered. Yeah, and so often we look at the uh, the physical, the things we can see, but we don't really um, appreciate the challenges that go with the psychological trauma that goes along with mm. a lot of these things, Andy, because those are harder to see. And, you know, we're still uh you know as a culture we're still struggling with that not just around trafficking but many many things it's just recently that we've started to really understand and um and really honor the psychological trauma that like for example veterans have gone through and so Mm. it's uh such an important important factor in trafficking to look at so I'm, i'm so glad that that there's that conversation that's going on. And and speaking of that, uh, you mentioned um, push and pull a little while ago. What do you mean by push and pull factors as far as, as far as looking at it from the lens through Zambia? Well, push and pull factors, uh, these are the things that create um, the perfect convergence. You have the, the, the issues and the circumstances that literally are like standing behind a, a child and pushing them towards the edge of the precipice. And then on the other side of things, you have the demand um, issues that create a market for an exploited person, an exploited child. And when that happens, um, it's like the perfect convergence and you have the the recipe for um, victimization so a little girl who's from a poor a village and has no options no options um, is is going to be closer to being ready to take the risk when someone offers her a job in the mm-hmm. city and she's 12 13 years old and she thinks if I go to the city I can go to school and of course her she doesn't understand the risks and she takes a much bigger risk than she assumes that she's doing you mentioned earlier the phrase dreams are a push factor what do you mean by that oh wow let me tell you uh, this story this mother in zambia said my children are at risk of being trafficked because they are desperate to do something with their lives. My children are at risk of being trafficked because they are desperate to do something with their lives. Mm -hmm. And here's the mom, and she's trying to find a better way to help her kids, and she tried to find work. 
And she even took the risk of going to South Africa. And of course, then she was a trafficking victim. She was trying to protect her kids. Mm-hmm. And her children didn't have any options. So she had dreams for her children and she took a risk because it might better their future. The idea that there is something better out there, that if I leave this place where there is no opportunity, there is no job, there is no education, there's no way to go forward. And here's the thing. Even people in very rural areas have access to um, some TV every once in a while. Some internet isn't too available. I had a pretty sketchy time getting online in the five days. I got online twice. Yeah. Um, so some of the things we take for granted are not easily done there. But um, even though they're way out there with very limited access, the, the dreams, the pictures, the billboards, the, um, the magazines, the television show a life where, where people have um, professions and go to school and have jobs and live in homes with running water and all of these kinds of things. So the idea of having a dream to live like that will be a push factor so we sometimes think of push as risk because of, um, well, because this person isn't getting enough to eat or doesn't have um, a roof over their heads. But just the dream of having something better can become a push factor. This entire conversation is just a reminder to me of the fact that Studying the issues, being a voice is so important in really um, being able to end this issue, Sandy. And so from that standpoint, I'm just wondering, um, before we let our listeners go, how does the center do that? How does the center support this? And what if, for those who are listening, who are thinking, gosh, you know, we need some tools or resources for this as well. What, how can they tap into the resources of the center as well? Well, one of the things that you can do is go to our gcwj.vanguard.edu website, and there is a a menu for resources and podcasts. And of course, you can go back through, um, let's see, by today, that'll be 31 podcasts, and, and listen and review some of the themes. And we keep going back to these themes and looking at them again and again and adding to our body of knowledge. We also have links to um, really good resources. We have some um, files there. We have access to previous conferences that we've done on human trafficking. And we're building a network of people who have like-minded goals, and we want to Um, to create a network that is literally global. Um, These partners now in Zambia are already planning for more training. And uh, Mm. one of the, Dave, one of the really cool things that I experienced on this trip was on my way home. And if you may, you may recall, we received um, uh, an email 
from um, a gentleman in South Africa. I do recall. Okay, so I met... He's a listener to this podcast. That's right. I met Nico through this podcast, and he is the chairman of the Missing Children Organization in South Africa. Oh, wow. So Nico and one of the board members, Tom actually met me at the airport in South Africa when I was on my way home. And we sat and the time flew by as we began to dream about how we can partner in South Africa. Because Zambian children are trafficked to South Africa. Congolese children are trafficked to South Africa. And you know, South Africa, we're hoping, is going to have their Trafficking Victims Protection Act passed really soon Mm. because we need stronger legislation But beyond that, we need people in the community who are educated, who have, like you said, studied the issues, and we need them to be ready to speak up and to do something to intervene on behalf of children. You know, it's just, there's so much that's coming together from a resource standpoint, Sandy, for the center to be able to support people globally. I remember when we first, um, when the center's name was first chosen, Global Center for Women and Justice, um, at the time, there we didn't have really a major global presence, and now more and more every day. I mean, we really have become a global organization to support people all around the globe, wherever they are. And if you uh, are interested uh, as a listener, one of the things I'd encourage you to do is, as Sandy mentioned, um, the website is a great place for resources, but it's also uh, just a great place to get some more information too and to stay connected with us. And if you go to the gcwj.vanguard.edu website, you'll see there's actually a new video that's just we just released. Uh, it's about a three, four minute video about the center. And uh, you'll see Sandy's uh, smiling face on there and a little overview of how we work. So I really encourage you to take a look at that video. It'll give you an overview of how the center works. And then uh, at the bottom left-hand side of the page, if you go to the website, you can actually sign up for our monthly newsletter as well. We haven't mentioned this yet on the podcast, oh, Sandy. Yeah. But um, you know, the center is publishing a monthly newsletter with tools, resources, updating you on what Sandy's doing in her travels, um, different uh, opportunities for education. So I really encourage you, if you have not already and you have a passion for this uh this topic, which I'm sure you do if you're you know, listening to this episode, then uh, hop onto the gcwj.vanguard.edu website. And at the bottom left there, just uh, put in your email address, sign up for our monthly newsletter. We'll be able to stay connected with you then and also be able to get lots of great information to you so that you can really be that voice in helping us to end human trafficking as well. And Sandy, that's just going to about do wow. it for our time today. Time flies, huh? It Speaking does. of Thank time flying. And so, uh, as always, if you have comments, questions, or feedback for us, two ways to reach us. Our listener hotline is at 714-966-6361. And of course, our email address is gcwj at vanguard.edu. And of course, we are sponsored by and hosted by the Global Center for Women and Justice here at Vanguard University of Southern California. Thanks, Dave. Have a great uh, week and see you in two weeks. All right.